Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. We believe that dads matter. That's why this show is for you. So gear up, dads. Get ready. It's time to start climbing. Hello and welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. Our guest tonight is Drew Camp. Drew is a husband, father, and he is a combat veteran. He is also the founder and the CEO of the Epic Dad Company. His mission is to change the world by creating epic dads. Drew, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really glad uh, we made this work. Um, I know we had some scheduling conflicts, and yesterday was my anniversary, too, so kind of squeezing this all in. I'm looking forward to uh, to learning from you, man. So for sure, um, man. Why, yeah. don't we, uh, why don't we kick it off with just start a little bit about your family and kind of you know the basics of who is Drew? Yeah, I mean, so first off, um, I'm a husband and father. I mean, that's, you know, that's first, right? So I've been married, uh, will be 13 years in November. Um, so don't know why, but she's sticking around. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate that in November. And then I've got three kids. So I've got two girls, seven and five. And then I've got a son, uh, Murphy, who's 18, well, 19 months now. Um, so yeah, so that's first off, just family man, you know, first. Um, and then, like you said, I'm, I'm the founder of, of Tedco or the Epic Dad Company. And, and um, that's not my full-time gig. Uh, you know, yet we're, we're growing a lot and I'm sure we can talk about that um, and, and the growth of it and our mission. But um, but that that's about it for me, man. It's just, you know, dadding it up, trying to grow the business and, and trying to change the culture. I love it. I think uh, this is, this is going to be fun for us because I think you and I and, and the rest of us here are all kind of aligned on very similar goals. So this is going to be exciting. Um, let's go into your early life a little bit, kind of where you grew up. And then I know you joined the Army, uh, I assume, relatively young. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I grew up uh, near Atlanta, Georgia. So a couple of uh, Braves fans on the call, you know. So shout out. Um, but uh, yeah, so I grew up in Atlanta. Um, my my family, you know, w- was incredible growing up. To be honest with you, um, so my my mom and dad are still married. They're coming up on fifty years. So great example, you know, of, of what you know a husband wife relationship should look like and how you need to treat your wife and, and things like that. And um, you know, grew up playing sports. Uh, so was a big baseball football guy. Um, you know, throughout middle school, high school. Um, and then I actually um, uh, had the opportunity to go play baseball in college. Uh, so I went to D- D2 school, Valdosta State down in South Georgia. Uh, but it was about as far away as I could get from my parents um, and still get the Hope Scholarship in the state of Georgia. Um, so I chose Valdosta. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was it was good, man. It was, it was, a, it was a good experience um, down there. But I think you know, like, like what I, what I took away from my dad, because it's obviously a dad podcast It is really a few, a few like big lessons, big takeaways. Um, and one is just around work, work ethic. Um, so if you, if you were to ask my mom, like to describe my dad in, in one word, it would be like relentless. Um, and I feel like that, that's something that I definitely took from him. Um, and just growing up and seeing him when I was about, I don't know, I want to say seven or eight or so. Um, he, he left corporate America, started his own company, um, you know, and had to work all the time. Um, so even though, you know, maybe he had to travel a lot and he wasn't present all the time, um, you know, I was able to see that, right, of, hey, that that work ethic of going out and getting it and making it happen um, was just kind of instilled in, in me early on. Um, and then, you know, secondly, I kind of already mentioned it, right, was just the the prime example to me of what a husband and wife relationship should, should look like. Um, so n- not a lot of guys have that opportunity. Um, so definitely blessed there. Yeah, that's that's uh that's the dream, right? That's what we're aiming for here, and to try and make that occur more often. So, 
I'm, I'm really glad that you had that experience and congrats to your parents on almost 50 years and to you as yeah. well with your upcoming anniversary. So for sure, man, I appreciate uh, it. I mean, you know, life wasn't perfect. I, I, you yeah. know, I want to say like, like my dad and I's relationship now, I, I would, I would say is good. Um, and you know, my dad has always been my biggest advocate, but I, I feel like most of us have, you know, I guess like mixed feelings about our fathers. Right. Um, <laughs> just to say it the, the least. Right. And, and with my dad, it's like, you know, there was always this, this path that I was kind of expected to go down. Um, and with that work ethic came, Hey, you're going to go to college. You're going to get a corporate job. You're going to work 40 years. And, you know, and, and kind of like, that's the path that was set before me. Right. And so, um, you know, what I, what I ended up doing is kind of like every son does at some point is rebel a little bit. Um, and so my, like my journey into the army, I think was that, that rebellion of like, Hey, I just got my degree, you know, and then, all right, cool. I'm going to go join the army, you know, and my, my family's like, nice. what are you, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> and it's something that I think I, I knew I was going to do all along, but my, my folks didn't think I was serious about it. Um, you know, so I ended up graduating and then I enlisted, um, with the degree instead of commissioning right away. Um, and I said, Hey, you know, Hey mom, Hey dad, I'm going to the army. I'm going to be enlisted. I'm going to go do infantry. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know, like just think I was the craziest thing ever, but Every I think the big thing for me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big thing for me was like, you know, I, I want to chart my own path. Right. And so, um, I think that's where some of the friction with my, my dad and I still to this day comes into to play sometimes. It's like, you know, I, I, I want to chart my own path and I want to use the lessons that he's given me uh, to go out there and make stuff happen on my own. And it may not be the path that he wants for me. Um, you know, but it's the path that I've chosen. So I think that there's, there's definitely some friction there. Um, I think we've overcome most of that. Um, you know, but, but yeah, growing up, you know, it, it's, it's, it's nice to have that, you know, loving family and support, but at the same time, it's difficult because you, you want to go out and prove yourself as a man. Right. And I think a lot of that has to go back to, again, our relationship with our father and like, you know, is, is what I'm doing to make him proud is what I, what I'm doing, what I want to do, or is it to make my dad proud? You know? So I think there's a little bit of that. Yeah. And it could be both, right? Um, mm -hmm. Actually, there could be a whole lot of facets for why you joined the Army, but uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get to that later. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about, so, you, you know, obviously basic training, all kind of stuff. Did you go straight to the 82nd? Was that your first unit or? Yeah. So I, um, I'll tell you the whole, the whole story, man. It's crazy. Um, so I actually, I met my wife in college um, and, and let her know my plans about joining the Army. Um, which and what did she say? She did not like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but, uh, we, you know, was very upfront about it. Like, Hey, this is, this is going to happen. Like, this is my, my plan this is my goal. And, and if we're going to stay together, like I need you to be okay with that. Um, so we ended up breaking up probably like five or six times, I think, uh, during college, um, just based off of that. And so, um, you know, it didn't come as a surprise when I joined, um, you know, and, and ultimately, uh, we ended up getting married like right after airborne school. Um, so she was obviously along for the ride, right. And supportive, um, but uh, my initial plan was to was to commission, um, was to go in um, as an in, as a infantry officer. Um, but OCS, Officer Candidate School, at the time, 2010, had a pretty big backlog, and so I think it was about a, a, a over a year wait time, like dwell time, to like go to OCS. And I was like, I was working at a warehouse, like boxing stuff up at the time because it was 2009, like think of the crash, and I couldn't find a job. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm just going to go in. Like, I just, I'll figure it out, you know, when I get there. Um, so I ended up enlisting. Yeah, I went down to Sand Hill, uh, Fort Benning. It's like the worst place in the world. George, I'm sure you're probably familiar. 
Um, I, I didn't go to basic. I've been to airborne school, but yeah, I know okay, exactly okay. what you're talking about. Well, um, yeah, man, it, it was like the, it's the most fun that you never want to have again um, is basic training. And so did, did that whole jazz. Um, and then during basic training, again, my plan was to commission at some point in the near future. Um, and I ended up like graduating top of the class and they were like, Hey, do you want to go to airborne school? I was like, I mean, sure. Why not? Right. Like, sounds cool. We'll go jump out of planes. Um, and so, yeah, did airborne school down there. Um, and then ended up graduating airborne and half of our class got sent to Italy for the 173rd and half got sent to Bragg for the 82nd. Um, and I was really hoping to get Italy, uh, but I didn't. So I got shipped up to the North Carolina, up to Fort Bragg, uh, did, uh, four years up there, uh, one tour to Afghanistan in 2012. Um, was with 4th Brigade, uh, 2508 uh, PIR, Parachute Infantry Regiment, which is disbanded now. Um, and they've kind of gone back to one of the other brigades. But, I mean, yeah, good good experience overall, um, you know, on the enlisted side uh, in the military. And then it sounds like, too, George, we were, we were in Afghanistan, like, at the same time. Yeah, I think I was there. I got there uh, in November 2012, got home, uh, like, almost August. It was, like, July 29th or something. Uh, 2013. I was in Kunar. Okay, gotcha, man. Yeah, we 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 missed each other just a little bit. Then we got in country like right at the beginning of February, and I think we ripped out end of August or beginning of September, something like that. So we missed each other by just a little bit. Um, but, but we were in uh, Kandahar um, province, like I don't know, 30 minutes or so um, west of Kandahar city. And so like the Argonaut river, you know, comes down underneath Kandahar. And so we were kind of like RAO was basically from the Argonaut river um, or, or from highway one to the Argonaut river, which is about 10 miles or so. And then we're kind of catty cornered right there by Hellman and then Panjway to the South. Um, so it, it was, you know, good experience. We can talk all about that. Um, you know, if you want to, but um, ended up doing that deployment, uh, getting back to 82nd, um, you know, op tempo, was was extremely tough with the 82nd i'm sure it was with the 101st as well it sounds like you went to jrtc like 30 times um yeah practically lived there yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah thankfully i never had to go there man we did ntc out in uh fort Irwin, the national training center um, out in california which is you know a different experience i'm sure than than being you know um in fort polk but the experience in of itself uh for sure when it's like 110 degrees and you're in the mojave desert and <laughs> all that kind of stuff but um, yeah, I guess just to wrap up kind of initial army stuff would just be, um, you know, so you were married, did you become a father while you were still in the army or was the decision kind of, Hey, you know, we want to start a family. Let's, let's leave the army. Was that kind of the decision? Point yeah. I mean, the, the decision point was, was multifactored for sure. Um, so again, I, I wanted to go to OCS and commission initially. I never got that opportunity to, um, you know, it's, it's the way the cookie crumbles. Right. But it was, you know, Hey, a, a, command team that said, sure, we'll let you go to OCS after this. And then a new command team comes in and said, no, we'll let you go after this. And, and, and then we ended up deploying and then we ended up coming back. And so, um, the, the decision for me to get out was really on deployment. Um, yeah, there's, there is a lot of great leaders in the military, right? There's a lot of great ones, but there are also a lot of not great leaders in the military. Um, and some of the experiences I had on, on deployment, uh, just really made me think like, I want to go start my civilian career. Um, like I've, I've checked the box. I feel like I've served my country. I want to go do different things. Um, and I, and the, the, the decision point for me was I was operating as a squad leader, um, as a E4, as a specialist squad leader in Afghanistan, um, and would not, wasn't able to get promoted. 
So it was basically just having time and grade and stuff. Well, not even that was just hanging over my head, a, uh, a reenlistment. Um, you know, we'll, we'll promote you if you reenlist. Um, you know, and I said, I was like, no, like, I'm not gonna do it. You know, like I got, I got a degree, like, you know, I'll be fine. And so I'll never forget. Like the decision was made for me when I had the conversation with our first sergeant and I'll leave him unnamed. Um, you know, his, his recruiting efforts failed, uh, to say the least, but it was, you know, Hey, we really think you should reenlist. And I was like, no, like, you know, I'm going to go start my civilian career. Um, and I'll never, I'll never forget this conversation. It was like, Hey, you're gonna be fucking flipping burgers at, at McDonald's if you get out of the army. And I was like, no, I, I was like, I got a marketing degree. Like I'm going to be fine. I'll go to grad school. I'll get a good job. Like I'm going to be fine. Um, so that kind of made the decision point for me was like, these guys aren't really looking out for what's best in my interest. Like they're looking out for what's best with the army. And like, that's, you know, there's something to be said for that as well, right? You're part of an organization. You need to, you know, selflessly serve. But at the same time, was just tired of getting shit on, man, to be honest with you, um, you know, just from bad leaders. And so that was the decision point for me uh, was to get out. Um, and we intentionally decided not to have kids until, you know, we, we made that decision. And so um, ended up getting out. Um, we moved back to Georgia uh, and I, I just went to work, man. So I, I went to work for a company called, well, first I went to work for my dad. Um, and, and he had a, uh, a sales rep company that I worked for and I was only there for, I want to say like nine months to a year. And it was that same kind of thing, right. Of like falling under the path of your dad. Um, and, and so I was there for a little bit and I was like, this is just not for me. I mean, I got to chart my own path. Um, and so, you know, we, we had some words there for sure. Uh, my dad was actually ready to hand the business over to me. Um, and I said, no, um, I, I need to go do something on my own. Um, which is a tough decision, but I think it was the right decision. Um, and so I ended up going to work for a company called Deloitte uh, Consulting. Um, so I was with Deloitte for a few years um, on, on the consulting side in their federal practice. Um, and then at the same time, decided to go back to grad school. So I went to University of Georgia um, to study business. I got my MBA there. Um, and then um, I, I'll never forget too, like I, I, was, I was at uh, Deloitte still and my, my main client was the Centers for Disease Control. Um, and I knew the whole, like the whole time I was like, I'm just like not having the impact I want to have in, in the world, like where I'm at. Um, at like, like I just wrapped up business school and I'm doing all this federal work and I'll never forget the moment I was in a closet at the CDC working on a project for, uh, for one of the offices there. And I was literally like writing a hurricane relief grant. I was just like in a, in a corner, like typing it. And I was just, just hit me. I was like, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> like I'm not using my degree. I'm not passionate about this. Um, so I ended up leaving there and then I went into industry and went to work for Home Depot, um, has a big office in Atlanta. Um, so I worked at, at Home Depot's corporate office for several years, um, up until recently. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, we decided to, you know, that the time was right to have kids once I was out of the military. And I think it was, um, well, I mean, I know the day it was, uh, April, uh, 15th of 2016, where we had our, our first child, um, uh, our first daughter Porter. And so that was a huge turning point for me. Um, you know, just as, as a man to become a father, uh, which we can, we can dive into, you know, uh, as deep as you want to. Yeah. Uh, so appreciate you sharing all that. And, uh, I, I actually wanted to just kind of say one thing. Um, so one, I'm really sorry you had that experience with your leadership kind of playing the game of like you know, dangling it over your head. Uh, I actually had the exact opposite experience. And I think that that was one of the biggest blessings and the biggest lessons I learned um, was that I had, I'm very fortunate. I had some really good leaders who didn't play that game with anyone really. And if it was better for that person to advance their career and have, you know, just unique opportunities, they didn't play the game of like, oh, well, we need you here. 
Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's still the army, right? If they're going somewhere else in the army, it's still the army. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm yep. extremely fortunate that, and I and I want to make that clear to like anyone listening to this who's maybe considering that, or you're maybe in leadership. Um, if you play that game, you're only going to drive people out of the military because yep. what you're saying to them is that you're you're you know, let's be honest too. If you're lower enlisted, like getting a promotion, that's a lot of dollars every month. Okay, from like E4 to E5 mm-hmm. or E5 to six, that's a, that's a big move for a guy that opens up a lot of possibilities. So if you're going to play that game, you're literally holding back a lot of money from them every year. So, I mean, just think of how shady that is. So I won't go off on a huge tangent, but it really boils my blood to hear like leaders doing that to subordinates because it's just a crappy game. And if you if that happened in the civilian section or sector, you'd quit your job that day, you know? So yeah. I don't know why people yeah. think in the military that, that you can do that. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, not but, helping anyone. Like I said, I had I had examples of great leadership and examples of bad leadership. So like I'm I'm not like sorry, you know, that that happened, right? It, it was you know it, it is what it is, and I, I took away what I what I could from it. And if anything, I'm I'm almost grateful for that as well because I, I've gone on to use that as a chip on my shoulder uh, to go you know excel in the military uh, even further, right? And so um, that same first sergeant again that I'll I'll keep unnamed. Um, I've had to hold myself back from doing multiple things, um, of like when I graduated, you know, with my MBA of like shooting him out an invitation, you know, to the graduation. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, I wanted to shoot him out an invitation to OCS, you know, when I graduated OCS and got commissioned and have him be my first salute. Um, but I didn't cause I'm a bigger man. Right. And then now I, I just, I just recently took company command, uh, which has been my goal for basic training. It was hey, like, congrats, man. Thanks dude. Um, was like get company command, make captain. And like, that was like, literally when I was in basic training, you know, they have the little books that they give you that like, you know, whenever you have downtime, if you're not reading it, you're going to be doing pushups. And so I'd have it open. And I remember I, I may still have it like in a tough box somewhere, but like I had the rank of captain circled and I just put like, get here. Right. And I was like, that is my yeah. goal. And so like, I love it. It, if, like I said, if anything, I, I see that as an opportunity to, to have a chip on my shoulder just to drive me even further. Isn't that yeah, great man. when your haters are your fuel and you're like, all yeah, right, bro. cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being my hater because, right. yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, quick, so, uh, so I'm actually, I'm actually not even a captain yet. Um, okay. So you're first lieutenant. I, I've been a first lieutenant for five years now. Oh, um, dang. So you're we, like, we can go, we can go into that as well. <laughs> <It's the guard. laughs> if you want to, no, 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 it's not the guard. It's not the guard. Really? Um, okay. No. So it, it is uh COVID-19 uh, is what oh. that is. Um, the whole class cycle and everything no man so I, i'm just i'm a refusal um and so oh, I, got kicked, gotcha. I got kicked out of the army for almost a year and um, then they brought you back and then they brought me back yeah, yeah they and, begged um, you back i'm sure they begged me back yeah. and i said no and then they said we'll give you company command and i said all right let's do it you know so um so yeah that messed it up so i've been a first lieutenant for like Good five for you, years dude. now dude, just, that was a tough man. decision man tough decision um that was a hard yeah. time for a lot of people, man. It's a really weird time, man. I can tell you, my we'll talk wife offline and I about that one. Field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, sure. I was gonna say my wife are in, the, are in the medical field, and I kind of feel like I was forced into some things, and and, and I get it. Uh, that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. We we can we can talk offline on that all you want to, George. Um, but that that was the big. So that was the big turning point for me, and like the the pivotal point for me to start voicing my opinions a little bit more, right? And knowing that I, I have things to say, um, but I have been very reserved. I've been passive um, just because I've been in the corporate sphere. I've been in the military and like, I, I feel like it's not my place to say something, right? But, you know, with with, with the whole 2020 beyond um, and a lot of the experiences that I had that I didn't, I didn't agree with um, and really seeing like 
the decline in our culture from my perspective, especially for men. Um, that that really led me to found the company, you know, uh, Tedco, and and really start to get my voice out there. And so that's it's been it's been a journey for sure. Like I started my podcast in, um, gosh, I don't even remember what it, what it was, um, twenty twenty one, end of twenty one, I think. Um, and for me, that like that was I had just been kicked out of the army uh, or, or about to get kicked out of the army, and I was like, dude, I'm just gonna start saying what what needs to be said, you know, um, and let the chips fall where they may. Like I've got to have conviction. I've got to stand on principle um and and say what needs to be said i I mean i couldn't agree more man as as fathers we're the leaders not only of our family but i mean generations to come i mean we we had nick freitas on recently should be active in our communities Mm -hmm. yeah and and he he actually made that point is that we could be the starting point for generations to come and that kind of profoundly hit me and that's one of the things i love about this podcast is we are learning from so many different stoic men and good good men who are leaders and I have to say, man, like as a father, we need to be speaking up more. We need to stand up to this cancel culture and quit worrying about what other people think and start leading by example, because this is what our children are watching us do on a day-to-day basis. And if we're weak, they're going to be weak. If we fold under pressure, they're going to fold under pressure. Like we're literally the people who are the pillars of their strength. And if, if we crumble, so do they. And it just... It, when you said that, it kind of it kind of hit home a little bit. Cause I, I think often about my son and and how I want him to be since I'm about to have a little girl as well, and I want him to be able to look after my girl just in case, you know, because I may not always be around, and I want him to know like, hey, stand firm in what you believe in. Do not let other people push you around. If this is what you feel, go for it. I don't care what the cost. I'll always believe in that. I'll always support you, and, and so will your mom and our families. But like. As men, I, I think that's something we really need to start doing, especially right now in today's time and today with what's going on with this world. We have to take a stance and do something and, and stand yeah, up for what we believe in. 100% agree, Justin. And, and more than that, too, it, it's more than, than your son just standing up you know, for what's going to be his sister and his mom. But it is, it is him looking at you and knowing that you – stood on principle and made t- the tough decision, right? And didn't fold under pressure was something that you were convicted about. And that that is what really drives me at the end of the day is like, can I look in the mirror and be honest with myself about if my son looks at me and looks at the decisions that I make and the path that I'm on, is he going to be proud of his father, right? When I reach the end of my life. And, and that that really drives me. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get emotional thinking about it, man. It, it like everything changed for me, like when I, when I had a son. Um, and not like nothing against my girls, right? I love my girls to death. Um, but at the end of the day, I could still kind of hide in the in the corner, right? And I could still have some vices. I could still not live up to principle and like the man that I knew I was going to be uh, with my daughters. I could hide that. But the second that I found out I was having a son, I had to look in the mirror and say, what type of man am I? And what type of man am I going to become in order be- for, because I know my son is going to become that man, Right. And that to me just hit hit hard. And so I really had to take up, like I said, a hard look in the mirror and say the decisions that I'm making right now, especially during that time we were just talking about, right? The, those tough decisions was when my son grows up and becomes a man and he looks at his father on his deathbed, is he going to be proud of the decisions that, that his father made, right? Is he going to know that his, his dad stood on principle? He stood on conviction. He said what he believed. And not, not only did he say what he believed, but he act on what he believed. Um, and to me, man, that, that, that was just like the pivotal point for me was like finding out I'm, I'm having a son. It just changed everything for me. All right. So Drew, uh, you, you got me thinking a lot about 
feeling useful and being useful as men. It's really interesting how our culture has kind of taught many of us that we're not useful as men, right? Women can do everything. They take care of the kids. They, you know, take care of everything. So what do we do as men? Um, and I'm reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's book, Be Useful right now. And he talks a lot about that, how if we don't feel useful, if we don't feel like we have a purpose, then we're not going to be very happy. And so that's one thing that's amazing about a dad is you immediately are useful and you have a purpose no matter what, you know, and uh, I think a lot of childless men don't have that, you know, kind of built in. Um, so what, what do you think makes you most useful as a dad? How do you feel like you're the biggest asset to your family? Yeah. Uh, great question. I'll, I'll honestly take it back to like, to the army and getting out um, and kind of like preface where I'm coming from with this. So the, the transition out of the military for a lot of guys is, is very tough. Um, and I was no exception to that. Um, and I think the reason why, yeah, George raised his hand, right? Um, I, the reason why is because we wrap so much of our identity around that. Um, and then we move on to the next thing, but we're still saying, I'm still, I'm still a soldier. I'm still a soldier, right? That's what I do. Um, you know, but so like my, uh, and I'll take it back even, even further. So um, back, back to deployment in 2012. Um, so we... Our, the the AO that we were in um, in Southern Afghanistan was not that kinetic as far as like there weren't that many firefights. Like there were some, uh, but it wasn't like a daily thing. Um, but what we had to worry about was was uh, dismounted IDs. And so like pressure plate IDs. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of like would think that, hey, if all the time you're having to walk in a file, you know, formation and like put chalk down on the ground and make sure you're not stepping across the chalk and like, it would just be like in your mind constantly, right? Of like, holy shit, I need to be like super vigilant here. Um, you know, over time, it just kind of fades, right? You like get used to it. You're like, well, fuck it. You know, if I step on a, of an IED, like whatever, you know? Um, and as, as shitty as that sounds, like that's the truth, right? You just like lose hope and like lose like purpose, right? And so I think when, when I got out of the military, it was that same kind of thing, right? It was like, I just didn't have a purpose. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just going to work, Um you know, and, and didn't really have like a guiding principle or guiding light or guiding values. But like that, that like depression, you know, that lack of purpose, like changed immediately when I had my, my kid. Um, like, I'll, I'll never forget, we, we didn't find out if it was gonna be a boy or a girl. And so like, she came out as a girl. And I was like, holy shit, man, like, I, I am a dad now, like, this is my purpose, right? Um, and so I, I honestly forgot the question. Um, because I'm, I'm just like going down the rabbit hole here, but, um, uh, as far as like being, was it about purpose and being useful as a dad? Yeah. Right? What is it that makes you most useful as a, as a, not even as a dad, as a member of your family? Got it. Got it. So, um, yeah. So why I went down that tangent, uh, to begin with was, was really around purpose and around a vision. Um, because I think that the dad's role in, in a family, there's a lot of things, right? It's like, it's more than just taking out the trash. Um, there's a lot more to that. And I think one of the things that you need to do as a dad is lead your family and craft the vision for your family about where they're going. Um, and so many dads are guilty of this. And I was for a long time and still am in some instances, um, is not having a clear vision, a clear roadmap of like where we're going. Right. And that, that's our job as the dad is to, to paint that vision of the future that we're, we're traveling to as a family and to take them along the, the journey. Right. So that's number one is like having a clear vision for the family. Um, and then number two, I would say is probably values, right? So it's our job to, to not only have personal values that we live by and standards we live by, but is how can we craft those family values, right? So that our children and our wives can start to identify, uh, with those values and we can start reinforce those values to, to our kids and, and our wives. And so like we, we do something in the camp household 
that I, I love. Um, and, and we have come up with our family value set. Um, and I would encourage everyone to do this um, if you haven't already. And like ours is super simple because my kids are young. They're seven, five and, and 19 months. So like as they get older, we'll probably stack some more values on. Right. But I want them to be able to, to remember these. And so for the camps, it's super simple. It is the camps are kind, the camps are strong and the camps are brave. And the camps do the hard things. We do the right things and we do the fun things. And those are our values. That's it. And what's awesome about this is like now that we so it's my job to create those values. Right. Um, and I love this. Yeah. See, George, you, you've got it down there. That's awesome. Um, so it's our job to not only create these values, but then it's our job to live by those values. Right. To be the example of those values, but then also to find opportunities that we can reinforce that value set with our kids. Um, and so like we do something at dinner time, we do something at bedtime that's going to help them reinforce those. Uh, so perfect example uh, of this. And I love this example is we went down uh, to Punta Cana uh, this summer uh, for family vacation. And there was like a little water, like a little water park there for kids. Um, but some of the rides were, were kind of big, right? They had like a straight down one. Um, you know, it's not like white water or anything that's like 100 feet high, but still like for a little kid, it's like, it's pretty tall. Um, and my oldest daughter, Porter, was was definitely scared to go down it. She came up to me and said like, hey, I want to go down it. Um, you know, she said, but I'm really scared to. And the, literally the only thing that I said to her, right, was, hey, well, you're at camp, right? And she said, yeah. I said, well, camps are brave. And then that was it. Um, and that was the end of the conversation. And literally about 20 minutes later, she she came and found me. Um, and, and she said, hey, I went down the, the straight down slide, dad. Um, like so she just went by herself, right? And I was like, you went by yourself? Are you serious? You know, I was like, why didn't you come and get me? Um, and she, just, she was like, yeah, I went down because the camps are brave. She was like, I was just going up the stairs and I was just saying like, the camps are brave, the camps are brave, the camps are brave, right? And she went down it. And so it, it was so awesome because like now she's starting to identify herself as a brave person, right? Because the camps are brave and then now she's done a brave thing. So like she's starting to stack these, these little wins and these little like votes for her identity um, that she is a brave person. And so I think that that is a huge thing for us uh, as dads is to to really craft like the value set and the standards that we live by, reinforce those with our children, but then also live the example uh, of, of those values too. Oh, I love that plan. Yeah, Matt Boudreaux talked about the same thing on a podcast last month where, uh, what do Boudreaux men do? Uh, we do this, yeah. we do that. Mm -hmm. And so I've been using that with my son and it's so much better than saying, well, you shouldn't do that because it's not yeah. nice. When you yeah, say, right? are we burning men? Yeah, we're burning men. Okay, we're brave, we're strong. So I'm, uh, yep. I'm a huge believer in that. That little shift in language makes a huge difference. Yeah. And then two, it, it, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just to say, you also have to live by it. Like you were saying, you have to live by yeah. it. So, you know, Nick Freitas said that if your kids see you doing the wrong thing, they also have to have the right to kind of respectfully call you out on not living to the values. You know, that way it's, it's not just an arbitrary set of rules that, well, it, it briefs well, right. But everyone yeah. in the family, it, it is the family culture. It's not just something we said. Yep. It's you set the standard, you live by the standard, right? And, and don't be offended when your kids get a little bit older and they call out your bullshit on the standard, which has happened to me before with my seven-year-old. And I say, you're right, right? Like, I, I, daddy shouldn't be doing that. Like I said, I do this and and that's not our value and, and that you're correct. Um, you know, so yeah, I think is is kind of building that identity set is is so important because really you know, there's so many external factors, right? When our kids go to school, they have like social media, whatever. And like, they're going to, tr they're going to try to fit in with something. And so like, what better way as a dad than to craft that ideal standard, that value set, that identity for them to, to identify with, right. As the family unit. And so they're not trying to go out and seek validation from other outside sources that they want to try to identify with. And so 
hey, my kids are small. Like maybe this blows up in my face when they get older, but I, I hope not. And I don't think it will, um, you know, in that, that they're, they're going to identify as a camp, right? When they start to get older and they're going to know exactly what a camp is and what a camp does. Do you tell your kids not to be campy when they tell jokes? <laughs> yeah, I just tell them. I just tell All them, right, we got good, our, good we got our dad joke quota for the episode. Thank you, Dustin. Yeah, good thing your mom's not. Your mom's You're welcome, not welcome, everyone summer. listening. We will not be uh, quitting our jobs to do comedy careers. I, I wanted to jump in and, and kind of get us back on track here because we were discussing realizations. And you mentioned that after you became a father, there was quite a few. So you mentioned a couple, but what were some of the primary realizations that came up after becoming a father that were just kind of life altering that kind of aha moment? Like, oh man, I got to change this or I've got to do this, that kind of thing. What, what came up there? Yeah. So I'll, I'll speak on, on, on two, on two fronts on, on one of being a boy dad and then one on being a girl dad. Um, so I was a girl dad times two first. Um, so there's a lot of realizations there. Um, and really for me, it was a realization of, like, what is my job as a girl dad, right? It's not just to like, you know, support them and love them and comfort them, which like you're, you're going to as a girl dad, right? But like, ultimately, at the end of the day, my, my, my job as a girl dad is twofold. Um, and one of them is to make sure that they are equipped to go out into this world on their own. And that's a tough thing to think about. And that's a tough thing to, to realize as a, as a girl dad, because you do want to love them, support them and have them know that daddy is always going to be there. Um, but at the same time, Hey, when they're 18 and they move out, I want them to be ready for, for the world. Um, so it's kind of the dichotomy there, right. Of wanting to be loving, wanting to be supportive. Uh, but then at the same time is placing intentional challenges in their way, having tough conversations and making sure that they are equipped to go out and, and, and lead their own lives. Right. Um, so that's one. Uh, the other realization was my my job as a girl dad is to set the example for the type of man that I want her to marry someday. Um, and so that made me take a, another good look in the mirror about how am I treating my wife? How am I showing up for my wife? How am I supporting my wife? And I'll, I'll be the first one to say I'm far from perfect, right? Um, there, I make mistakes every single day with this. But um, that, that was a big realization for me was I, I am setting the example ultimately for the type of man that I want her to marry one day. So if that doesn't, you know, help you shift behavior, like, I don't, I don't know what will, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> now, Dude, that's uh, something I've been thinking about for sure. What, what's something that you wish you had known um, before becoming a dad uh, that would have prepared you better for fatherhood? Um, that's a tough question, man. Um, Cause I, I, part of me is, you know, is just like, Hey, fuck it. Let's go live. You know, uh, kind of like the army mentality, right? Like there's, <laughs> you can, you can, you can read a million books, which I did. Um, and they were great for like understanding how to change a diaper, you know, um, or like do a, you know, a burrito swaddle or whatever, but like it, it doesn't become real for the dad until like that baby is here. Um, the, the way that it does for the mom, right. The mom has nine months, right to kind of connect with that, that baby. And, and, you know, um, they have this emotional bond, this physical bond, you know, for nine months that you don't have. Um, but, but that changes the second that that child is, is here and, and you're holding it in your arms. Right. And so yes, read all the books you can, right. Try to, to equip yourself, but ultimately know that like shit's not going to feel real until that baby is here. And, and you're going to have to have a, a dramatic shift <laughs> um, as soon as they arrive. Yeah, I remember hearing my son's, um, he's my firstborn, hearing his heartbeat in the sonogram 
Like I had a pit in my stomach almost immediately. The first beat hit and I was like, this is real. Like, uh, we're there. There's no point of return after we are, we are go. And so, yeah, it was, yeah. And it, <laughs> it's incredible. It's such a good journey. So I would, I, I would I, add actually, on that, oh, go ahead. um, you know, every kid is different. Every dynamic is different. Your situation, you know, people are going to give you all this advice too. And, uh, take it all with a grain of salt. But I, for me, the, the most beneficial thing was kind of just like, if you've got a rhythm that's working, don't, don't change it. Like find a rhythm that's working for your, for your little family, especially if it, mm -hmm. it's your first. And, uh, if it's working, just keep doing it, you know? Um, cause I think it's a lot, you know, the temptation is like you're saying, read all the things, listen, to all the things, but then it's like information overload, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're going to be tired. You're gonna be stressed. You're it's all new to you. So, uh, at some point, you know, one foot in front of the other, right? Back to the the effort, do it live kind of mentality. Yeah. Sometimes that is the best <laughs> mentality at, at times. So, yeah, and I think too. I mean, like, I mean, what would be nice to know ahead of time? I, I think, like, in, in a very like tactical, practical sense, would be like, what does the first six months look like, right? Um, and because to be honest, it's it's pretty brutal. Um, like you guys would, would probably agree, right? Um, you know, baby's waking up all hours of the night. Like you're having to do, you know the mom's having to feed if you guys are bottle feeding you're doing that like you know and, and honestly the kid wants nothing to do with you for like the first six months and so you have to be very proactive and like how can you help support the family um because ultimately the you know the kids gonna be looking to mom for comfort for food um and for everything right and so like what can you do to help um and so you know what what can you do right you can change diapers you can you can wake up and feed a bottle if you're doing bottle feeding right um, you can pick up the slack around the house to make it a little bit easier for your wife. You can change the, you know, you can do the, the laundry, you can do the dishes, you can do the vacuuming, you can do all the things that your wife did before you had a kid, right? Just to make it a little bit easier for her. Because ultimately, like your job in this first six months is to support your, you know, your, your spouse, ultimately. To be present um, for her. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, I call it just being the logistics coordinator at that point. Yeah, I, man, I, right? I did groceries, finance, I did the house, I did everything. All she did was take care of our kid. And it's, I mean, we averaged three hours of sleep a night for eight months because my son had colic really, really bad. And uh, yeah, it can be brutal, but it's, man, is it so worth it? Yeah. And I would say too, is like level set expectations. Like I'm a big fitness guy, right? Um, you know, I like to go to the gym and work out all the time. And, uh, you know, life is going to be different. Uh, when, when you have chi have kids, especially young children. And so you, you kind of have to level set your expectations on on what you can do and like what your priorities are at the time that you have young kids. Because um, time's going to be limited. You, you know, you're not going to have like two and a half hours to go to the gym and do curls with the girls anymore. Um, you're going to have to figure out a way to get it done. And, you know, probably means you're going to get a little bit less sleep. Um, but you're going to have to shift your, your lifestyle, you know, to, to really become a parent. Absolutely. Justin, man. I think you had I something right. Yeah, I wanted to go back to uh, talking about uh, being a girl dad, just because I'm I'm about to hit that milestone. I think that uh, I would like to encourage other dads who are already like a boy dad or just not even a, a father yet and are about to have a girl. Um, I plan to use this time personally, just because of all the great fathers we've had on the podcast, as a time to kind of improve myself because I know I fail my wife on a lot of things, and. You you said a, a great thing, which is set the example for the man that you want your wife your your daughter to marry, uh, and 
you know, you also need to start remembering like who you were to your wife. And that's, that's a hard thing, especially when you have a kid, because like you said, that, that first month, it's the hardest month of your life, but it gets better week by week. And it's so hard because you're both exhausted. Nobody's doing each other favors because you're, you know, it's new to both of you and, you know, you both don't get sleep and you don't know to, to pass it off to one another yet until you have your second kid, you know. Nobody's doing it for the period, which is a bummer too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that too. But um, I mean, that, and then I just wanted to also say, like, if you're having a girl, something that my father-in-law is a financial planner. Um, and not a lot of guys think about this, but something that you need to do is set a little money aside as soon as you find out you're pregnant with a female and go ahead and start a fund because you're going to need a wedding fund. That kid is going to get married one day. Um, and you don't want that to come up and be like, oh, well, daddy's broke. Sorry, you know. So um, <clears throat> just two pieces of advice I would I would want to give is I, I plan to, one, take that uh, that time to, to better myself for my wife because I know I have failed a little bit in my first child just because, like we said, it's it's being tired. It's not always being there for each other and not having the same relationship. Everything shifts. Like you said, it's it's different. Uh, I can't explain it other than that for, for new time dads, but uh, just to give a little perspective, I, I think those are two things that I, I feel like would greatly help any dad coming into this adventure, especially with a girl. So, All right, Drew, let's move on to uh, Tedco. So first question, what makes an epic dad? Oh, man. Um, so what makes an epic dad? That's a great question. Um, so I think kind of what we talked about a little bit before, right? An epic dad is someone that, that really crafts the vision for their family and leads, leads the family. Um, and is going to guide them along the way. Um, so we, we have four pillars in our, our company, um, that we, we try to, to help dads with, to, to level up on and, and we call it our elite four framework. So I, I would say an epic dad is someone that has these four pillars dialed in and that's going to be their body, their relationships, their mind, and their finances. Um, and so, I would say if you have all four of those dialed in, like you're being an epic dad. Um, but but more than that, I think like an epic dad, like th this all changed when I had my son again. Like it was a huge turning point for me, right? Because I, I looked in the mirror and and I knew that I was not being the type of man that I want my son to become. Um, and so I did a lot of homework, a lot of research on that as to like, what is my role as a man? What is my role as a father? And uh, it really came down to three like core principles um, for, for me that like would make an epic dad. And that is number one is an epic dad accepts responsibility. Um, an epic dad, number two, an epic dad, um, rejects passivity. And then number three would be an epic dad leads courageously. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to take credit for those. Those come from a fantastic book, um, by what's his name, Robert Lewis called raising a modern day Knight." Um, so if anybody is a boy dad, I would highly recommend picking up that book. Um, and th those to me would be like the three pillars that like make an epic dad. Um, and then I think finally an epic dad knows that he needs to surround himself with other men that are going to challenge him. Um, and he, he understands like the, you know, the purpose and the intent and really like the power that comes in community, um, of, you know, setting a standard, holding yourself to that standard and having other men that are going to hold you to that high standard. And so if you distill it all down, right, it's, hey, he accepts responsibility. He, he rejects passivity. He leads courageously. He is focused on his body, his relationships, his mind, and his finances. And he surrounds himself with a community of men that are going to sharpen his blade. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that a lot. So I'm really, that, that's awesome to hear that that's one of the pillars um, of your company. 
um, and might be the most important one, honestly, um, because I think in the modern age, that's kind of, we've gone all over on this topic, but it just seems like modern men, more than any other group of men through history, are more isolated. Um, I don't know all the causes for that, but it's it's definitely a problem. Um, there's a lot of stats to kind of back that up. So, yeah, that's that's one of the ways that we start combating a lot of the the issues that um, are passed down through generations is, is not to isolate. So uh, that's pretty good. I wanted to also ask you about, um, you know, kind of what is TEDCO? What's the, the founding principles for it? And kind of what, what led you to ultimately get it going in the first place? Um, yeah, so TEDCO stands for the Epic Dad Company. So TEDCO just, you know, for short. Um, but like at its core, like we are a 100% natural, 100% transparent supplement company, um, specifically for, for dads. Um, and so like our core avatar, like core customer is like, is like me three years ago, right? Like the, the dad that like looks in the mirror and he's like, I, I just know that I'm not being the man I'm supposed to be. I'm not being the father I'm supposed to be. I want to step up. Um, and so when a dad raises their hand and they want to go on that journey, like we want to be there to support them. Um, and we support them with, uh, with, with supplementation, obviously. Right. So along that journey, um, you know, to get in better shape, to make sure that you are being sound, you know, mentally and spiritually, like we have you know, supplements to help you on that journey. Um, and then additionally, we have another pillar of the company, which is really around community. Um, and so that, that's, a, that, that's where our four pillars come in, right? So our body relationships, mind finances, uh, that's where our Epic Dad framework comes in. Um, that's a six pillar framework that we walk guys through on, you know, if you do raise your hand and you want to make some changes, it's like, this is the foundation uh, of how you can do that and, and start becoming an Epic Dad. Um, so we kind of have those, those, those uh, two pillars of the company. And then ultimately, like our mission statement is to change the culture by creating more epic dads. Um, and so if we can do that, um, you know, really how we're going to do that is one dad at a time, like on an individual basis. Um, and we've kind of talked about this before, right? But like, like politically, you know, I feel like everyone is just waiting for somebody to come along and like fix everything, Right. And like, oh, you know, we need this savior to come in and, and you know, not gonna round happen. up. The, yeah, it's not going to happen, man. It's not like like we need to understand that like if we want change, we have to affect that change on an individual basis in our own lives. And so like that's what the company is about. It's like we want to change the lives of fathers to step up and lead and become the husbands, fathers and men they're called to be one at a time because we know that epic dads are going to raise epic children. Right. So if we if we future cast, you know, to three or four generations down the road. Right. And we raised epic kids. Our kids are going to instill those same values to their children. Right. My grandchildren to my great grandchildren. All of a sudden, that's how we change the tide on culture. Right. And so it's a it's a long term play. Um, and then additionally, is if we're able to help the individual dad level up, become more present, become more engaged uh, with this with his family, um, that is going to have a cascading effect, not only to his family, but, but across across the community. So like perfect example of this is like, let's say you're in the grocery store, right? And you're, you know, your kid is, is two or three or whatever. And like, as all children do, they throw an epic fit. They want a candy bar or, or whatever. Right. And so, you know, they're throwing a fit. Like, I want this dad. I want this dad. Like, like we have two options at that point in time, right? Like we can respond or excuse me, we can react emotionally like to a three-year-old child and give an example to another dad that's, that's looking right. That like, Hey, that's how, dad's act, right? That's how we respond. I'm doing the right thing. Um, or we can take the much more intentional approach of responding to our, our child in a calm, passive manner, you know, calming him down, uh, doing some, you know, some co-regulation with him. Right. And then all of a sudden the dad that, that maybe has like 
you know, just this, this, um, I don't, just has like a ton of stuff going on in his life that you have no idea about, right? Like he sees that example that you set out in public and you have no idea what this other dad is going through, right? But by you responding in that manner, that is going to light a fire in, in that, that other father to know that like, man, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Like I need to step up and make a change. And so like you, the power of the individual is exponential. Um, and I feel like we, we delegate this to, you know, our media leaders, to our politicians, you know, to create this change. But ultimately by us just leveling up as an individual, focusing on our family, getting our house in order is going to have like, like huge results on society. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really passing the buck, right? So mm -hmm. many people, if you're not responsible, then you can't be held accountable for the situation around you, right? It's, it's really easy to say, oh, you know, that, that freaking politician, it's their policies that did this to us. Like, well, is it really like, could you do something about it? So I love that, man. I think, uh, your, your mission is like totally aligned with what we're doing with our podcast here in this group here. So I love it, man. Um, with the, uh, Tedco, you also have some pretty sweet merchandise, right? So why don't you show off? <laughs> right. I'm gonna solo you yeah. here for the. Uh, do you even dad, bro? Yeah, you know? yeah. Do, do you even dad, dad bro? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we um. So like we have, like I said, we have three kind of verticals of business. We have supplements. Uh, we have community and coaching, and then we have apparel. Um, we've kind of been all in on supplements at the beginning of the company, which is great. Um, like I'm a physical product guy. That's like my background. Um, so I like having a concept in your brain and then like seeing that manifest into reality and like somebody holding their hands and use it and get utility out of it is like the coolest thing in the world to me. Um, it's like, I love the physical product side. Um, but we have recently started, um, in kind of more on community and more on coaching. Uh, and that has been incredible. Again, it, it aligns with our mission of like helping individual dads. And so it gives us the opportunity to like dive in the weeds, like one-on-one -on -one with guys, like create transformations, not only physically, Right. But really walk them through our Epic Dad framework, um, have them turn around their life is, is like in line with our mission, which is awesome. And then the third is apparel, um, which, hey, it's just cool stuff for dads. Right. So cool T-shirts, yeah. you know, cool hats, yeah. some, some swag, stuff like that. Right. I'm, I'm repping you tonight, too. I'm going to show this one off. Yeah. Which one you got, man? Make dads men again. Yes. <laughs> got to love it, man. I got a, I wore this to like a little men's conference thing and it was a, a massive hit with awesome. literally everyone. So good, good design. <laughs> well done. <laughs> All right. Um, seriously though, with the rest of the company. So what, what is kind of your, your future vision, um, for where you want to get to? I know you've talked about the three branches that you got going now. And, um, I guess also like with the coaching, what, who is kind of your ideal person who, how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way to start that? For sure. Yeah. So on the supplement side, uh, we have one right now. I, I'll, um, I'll plug it. I got it right here. Um, so bam, take your pre-workout. There it is. Um, so we have one product in the market right now. It's our take pre-workout. Um, and this, this was a long time in the making. Um, I am not a formulator, uh, by trade. Um, I just like supplements. I, I, you know, I think my first pre-workout was in airborne school. I took Jack 3D and like, you know, did 800 pushups in a row. <laughs> I can so, see sounds on that, that stuff, man. It most, was yeah, like, it's illegal now. Do, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so me and pre-workouts go way back. Um, but uh, so I've always been a supplement user, right? It was like, hey, how do we formulate something like specifically for dads, right? That's a little bit different in the market. It like speaks to our core customer, gives them like what they need. Um, so I went down the rabbit hole on this. I, I think I ordered like 40 different pre-workouts. 
um, just tried all of them. What do I like? What do I not like? We pulled our customers. You know, what, what do you, what's most important to you about a pre-workout, et cetera. So we did kind of all the homework. Um, and then because I'm not a formulator, like we work with a manufacturer, like it's not me, like mixing up stuff in my kitchen, you know, um, like we work with a like legit manufacturer, um, to, to create this. And so we launched our version one, um, back at the end of 20, or I guess, yeah, the end of 20, I think, uh, it's been a while now. So we, we kind of launched an MVP product. We got feedback, we made some tweaks, the formulation, the flavoring, and then we launched this one in March of this year. Um, so that one's kind of taken off, uh, like a rocket ship was really cool. And now we have people asking us all the time, like, like what's coming next. Right. Um, so I, I probably have about 40 products that we'd like to launch. Um, okay. but I just say I need a are... protein. So, <laughs> Hey, Hey, we may have, we may, uh, have something in store for you. Um, all right. but we've got about 40, like on the roadmap. Right. But near term, we probably got like five or six. Um, and so I'll, I'll kind of let you in on like a little bit of inside baseball. So we've got a protein coming. Um, Heard it here first. <laughs> that's right. We've got a protein coming. It's in the works. Uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me. We've got um, we've got a multivitamin in the works as well. Um, and then additionally, uh, we've got greens in the works. Um, and then what is the last one we've got um, in the works? I'll have to pull up our product roadmap. I know those three are near term for sure that like we're, we're formulating right now. Um, but at the end of the day, like we on the supplement side, we want basically to, you know, when it, like I said, when a dad goes on that journey, when he's like, I want to be a better dad. Um, we want to be the go-to brand for supplementation to, to help on that journey. And so like the first form for dads is like what I always say internally with the company. Right. Um, so that's where we want to go. We want to be like the supplementation provider for, for dads. Um, and then on, on coaching, um, and community side. So again, this is new to us, but ultimately we want to get down in the weeds with guys to have physical transformations and have, um, you know, really like mindset transformations for them to, to level up. Um, so we, we've just started on this and we really hone in on the physical aspect um, because I think it's Bedros Koulian who says that, um, you know, physical fitness is the gateway drug to personal excellence, which I love, right? Because if we build the discipline that it takes to get into shape, like that is going to cascade across other, 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 every other area of your life, right? So we start there. Um, so we help guys get, you know, in really great shape. And their life improves because of that. Um, and then we also have a community. Um, it's called the Epic Dad Crew that we've just launched here recently. Um, that's really like an accountability group, right, for guys. Like we said, iron sharpens iron. And so we've kind of, you know, created that platform for guys to connect, to walk them through our framework, um, to make sure that they are hitting daily wins and daily targets and daily accountability, uh, that they're stepping up in their areas of their body, relationships, mind, and finances. And so it's, it's a very new vertical for us, um, but it's growing quickly, which is really cool, and it's having an awesome impact. Um, and then on apparel, who knows, man, sky's the limit. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty creative, you know, killing up with, with, uh, dad slogans. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> I wore the, uh, the girl dad AF shirt on yes. vacation a week, uh, <laughs> two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago. And it was, uh, that was also a pretty massive hit. So I love that. I got the sticker too. I put on like everything. <laughs> I love being yeah, a girl Justin, dad. So. Justin, I'll have to ship you out a, uh, a girl dad sticker, man. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I think Brandon's got something for you. Yeah. So, you know, being, being the founder of a company and whatnot, um, how do you balance your, your work life and your family life now with all this going on? Not well, I probably need to read your book. Um, <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, like I, I've tried every technique I think like imaginable, uh, because I'm balancing two careers at the time. Right. And, and this company is growing pretty quickly. Um, so I've gotten to the point in the business 
where I have realized that I'm the constraint in the business and it's why we're not growing anymore that we are. Um, and so that's been a tough pill to swallow because as the founder, like I want to do everything because like I do it perfect, right? So I don't want to like hand off the reins to anybody. Um, so I, I've had to come to that realization and start thinking about, you know, what does a team look like and how can I outsource some things that should probably not be on my plate? Um, you know, so I think, you know, if you can find someone that does it 80% as well as you do, hire it out, right? And then go on to more strategic things. And so like that, that's what I'm, I'm going through the growing pains of that right now. Um, and so that, that's going to give me back some of my time to be a little bit more strategic. Um, and then honestly, like is, is what I try to do is have like focused batches of time, um, a very intentional time. And so like, I've got a little timer here, like right here, it's set to 45 minutes. That was from earlier today. Um, it's literally just a kitchen timer, right? But what it does is I remove all distractions and I become very focused on the one task at hand and I get that task done. Right. And then I'll move on to the next thing. So I think when we try like the word balance to me is like, it, it's, I don't know. There's, I, I feel like, and, and Brandon, you may like get offense to this, right? Because you're like, you got a book on balance, right? But like, I feel like balance is, is something that we try to achieve, but we don't do it well. Um, and, and maybe that's what, what the book is about, right? It's like, how do you balance all these things by not being focused on everything at once? And so what, what I've found that works the best for me is to have, like I said, focused, intense bouts of time to get things done without distractions um, and, and do that task and move on to the next thing. And so, you know, to me, time's limited, right? Like the thing that I will not sacrifice on um, as much as I can is family time. And so work to me looks like getting up super early, um, getting a workout in, getting that first batch of time to get my, my critical task done for the day. Um, yeah, that may be like pushing out content that may be doing a podcast or whatever the case is. And then it goes to transition to regular work. Right. And then at the end of the day, kids are down, you know, we have some family time uh, with the wife and then, you know, I may work from 10 to midnight. Right. Um, you know, just very focused, intentional time. So that would be the big thing around like balance is just being focused on it. Um, and then the other thing too, will be knowing what to focus on. Um, you know, because there, there are going to be like key things in your business that drive the ball forward. And there's going to be things that are just fluff, right? And so it's like knowing what KPIs you need to track um, and what is most important to move the ball forward in your business because you're ultimately not going to be able to get everything done. Like you're not. Um, and that's just the nature of the beast, you know? So it's, I would say th those two things for me is like focus time and then know what to focus on when you're in that time. It's good you're learning these lessons, not just from business, because it's going to help you a lot as a company commander. Oh, yeah, already. Yeah, it's like, and <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. that's the first lesson is you can't do it all. <laughs> yeah, and that's the same thing too like with, with my corporate career, right? Like I was um, uh, I, I was a merchant, which is ultimately like, like kind of like a company commander, right? It's like the decision maker, right? It's like all decisions filter through you and like you're never going to get everything done. You know, you're not, right? And so you have to be able to prioritize like what's important, what can be pushed out a little bit um, and what needs a decision right now. Um, and so just that, you know, that, that, uh, I guess that exercise of prioritization has been key. I dig it, man. Uh, kind of a little bit of a harebrained question for you. What do you think culturally is causing men to struggle so much? Um, you know, I think maybe it's the last couple of years, but it, it seems like there's a big spike in a lot of issues specifically with men in uh, kind of Western civilization. Yeah. So what's causing that? I, I have a lot of thoughts on that. We could probably talk for another hour and a half on that. Um, we'll just but... do episode part two. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm under the impression and you guys may agree or disagree. Um, you know, that's okay. Either way, if you do, but I'm under the impression that there is a deliberate um, intentional attack on masculinity 
um, again, for a very intentional reason, right? And that is because weak, passive men are much easier to control. Um, and who is controlling us? That's where we can have a debate on, right? But ultimately, in the day, right? If you George Soros, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, if, you know, if you are being passive, you are being weak. If you don't have sovereignty, you're much easier to control, right? You're dependent on other people. Um, and so, I think that is why, right? When you look at our media, when you look at television, when you look at, you know, anything you're seeing, right? I mean, it 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 shows the dad is like the the Homer Simpson effect, right? Is what I call it. And so. Like when you go back and look at movies, you know, in, in the, the 80s, 70s, 80s or whatever, the dad was like the hero, right? I mean, he's like super jacked and buff. Like he's, you know, making all this money for the family. You know, he's like, he's got all the masculine traits, right? Of like, like we talked about, right? Like leading courageously, accepting responsibility, rejecting passivity. But then now, you know, anytime you see a dad on TV, like outside of Bluey, believe it or not. Um, yeah. Bandit. That's who I yeah. have to have Right? I know. It's like the best cartoon. Um, outside of that one example, you know, the dad's like a blubbering idiot, right? He has no idea what's going on. The mom has taken control of everything, right? That we have delegated everything to, to our wives and to, to women in society. And like that, that is the reason why is because weak men are easier to control. And that's a very intentional effort that's going on. I could agree more, man. That's, that's so on the spot. Like I sat there and thought about that the other day. When's the last time I thought about like seeing positive father figures because I was letting my son see, of all things, we were watching Bluey and then we started watching Airbud, and the kid that didn't have a father figure and I'm like, when was this movie made? And then I started realizing like, you stopped seeing father figures or you started seeing weak father figures in the 2000s. In the nineties, mm eighties, -hmm. and seventies, you saw strong, masculine, you know, get to the chapa, kind of started you know, those kind of guys. Yeah. Married yeah, with, it, married with children and now right? it's just like just passive men, and it's like no, that's not what a father is. I'm I'm telling you, if you come up, you roll up on a father who's a real father and act a fool these days. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll realize who those '70s, '80s, and '90s fathers were, and I, I feel like that's what we need more of. And I couldn't agree more, man. Like it's it's what they're trying to push is that men are weak. We're not stoic. We're not, you know, leaders. We're not anything anymore. And if we're masculine, God forbid, we're toxic, you know, at that point. We had that conversation with uh, Nick on our last episode. And it's like, no, there's masculine men and then there's toxic people. Like, there's there's a complete difference. So, yeah, it's – I 100% agree with you, man. That couldn't have been said better because fathers are just not putting a good limelight anymore. Yeah, and, and some of that too, whether or not it's intentional, I, I think – I know I personally – brought some of those ideas onto myself. I thought that it was better to be more passive because that's what society told me. And that's what a good husband uh, does is he kind of lets his wife lead and takes care of all that stuff. And that's been an interesting process of unlearning that and realizing that that leadership is okay as a man, you know, it doesn't make you toxic. It just makes you masculine. Uh, and so I think a lot of that is us accepting that and it's easier, right? You pass the buck, you go, Oh, well, if my wife makes the decisions, I don't have to worry about it. It wasn't my fault. If something goes wrong, it wasn't me, it was her, you know? So, um, we, we got to take some blame there too, for, how for how some of this stuff has gone down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stunning uh, and brave. It's this woman's fault, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think we all pretty much mostly agree on what you said, Drew. Um, <clears throat> Other than kind of what you're doing specifically with uh, Tedco, you know, at large, what can, what do you think men need to do about it? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, kind of what we touched on before, right? I mean, the, the most important thing that you can do is to level up your own life, right? Like stop thinking about the broader problem 
and stop thinking that someone is going to, to parade in, right? Whether it's, you know, a politician or a media figure and save the day for you. Um, you need to do the three things that we talked about, right? In order to, to become a masculine man. Um, you need to accept responsibility. You need to reject passivity and you need to lead courageously. And you need to take a look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, you know, especially if you have kids, you're listening to this, you know, is, is, Hey, am I being the example of either one, the type of person that my daughter wants to marry one day, or am I being the example of who I want my son to grow up as? Um, and so, you know, we need to do those things. We need to stop focusing on, like I said, on the broader picture and focus on getting our own house in order and making changes individually, because what's going to happen is you are going to, like I said earlier, is that change that you make in becoming an epic dad is going to have generational impacts, right? To your kids, to your grandkids, to your great grandkids. But then also by acting this man is you're going to set the example for other dads to follow, right? The community. Um, and so I would say that those things, right, is, 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 you know, really take those principles to heart, guys. It, it's like, this is, this is who you need to be, to be a man. This is who you need to be to be a good, good father is accept responsibility, reject passivity and lead courageously. Yeah, man, that's, that's it. Get to it. Um, so asking now kind of switch just general father advice. If you, if you could only give one piece of advice to dads, what would it be? Oh man. One piece of advice to dads. Um, it's a doozy, man. That is a doozy. That is a doozy. Um, I would say the, the one piece of advice, uh, would be that, you know, no dad is perfect, right? Like everyone is going to make mistakes. Um, you know, and, and your job, right. Is to have the intention to become the best dad you can be right to, to lead your family. Um, and you're going to make mistakes along the way. Every single dad does. Um, but if your intention is, is pure and to be the best dad you can be and your action follows that intention, like you're in the top 1% as a dad, um, you know, by, by just being there, showing up and doing the best you can. Absolutely, man. And, uh, we actually have a question we ask every father and I want to ask it to you. Um, what is a story or something that you've learned or just as a father, something that stood out to you, like your favorite memory, core memory, whatever it may be, uh, as a father that, that you could kind of go into, uh, effect with us. Man, there, there are way too many, um, <laughs> that I, I, I could probably talk for forever of like core memories. Um, but I'll, I'll just highlight one that literally happened, I think two weeks ago. Um, and so my oldest daughter is seven now and any bit of baby that she had is gone. Um, she is a little girl yep. now, um, which is yep. hard to accept. <laughs> yes. Um, and so we're, we're in basketball right now. We're doing like I nine league, which is, we're like setting her up because we're gonna play basketball in the winter and it's like more competitive. So we're doing I nine as like a starter. And all it is, is like you practice for 30 minutes and you go play um, for 30 minutes. And so once a week, so pretty, you know, pretty low speed, um, but they have uniforms um, and my, uh, my younger daughter's playing as well. So at, when she was out on the court and they were playing, my older daughter uh, was practicing on the side, um, you know, and she was dribbling the ball, practicing shooting and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, the, this vivid, I guess, like future casted vision just like came into my mind, right. Of, of seeing her playing basketball in high school um, and seeing like yeah. the type of woman that she's going to become. It just like, I saw it like painted as clear as day. Um, and, and that to me just really hit home of like, 
you know, the, she, she's growing up so fast. She's seven now. I'm going to blink and she's going to be 17, you know, in high school. Um, and just knowing that, like, like we just talked about, right? Like I can feel good about myself and how I'm showing up as a dad. Um, and knowing that my intention is pure, that I'm going to make mistakes. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, she knows that I love her. I support her and I'm proud of who she is and, and not me being proud of her is not dependent upon what she does. Right. I'm proud of who she is. And she knows, she knows that. Um, and that was just a core memory, man. Just like burned into my brain, even, even though it's a future casted vision, it's just like, I'll never forget that. It's powerful, man. And I mean, that's, uh, it ties into what you've been talking about so much too, is like, men, you need to look ahead and you need to realize these things because if you're always caught in the exact moment, the right now, something's going to catch your family off guard, right? And it's your job. You're the one who has to be keeping your eyes on the horizon, head on a swivel. And it's not all bad things. It's also good things, right? If you're head down, you may miss really great opportunities for your family because you weren't looking ahead and thinking through options. So um, that's it's almost like a premonition you had with, with your daughter. And that's such a beautiful, uh, kind of just encapsulates that responsibility we have to have that vision and to be forward thinking, um, not with a negative thing, with a very beautiful thing. So that's, thanks for sharing that, dude. Um, Justin, I think you had one final question, right? Yeah, I just wanted to ask um, if you could pass like one thing on to your children or a piece of advice to your children specifically, uh, what would that be for you that you wanted them to know? Yeah, so there is this one um, piece of artwork. I'm not sure you know who, who did it, but you see it all over the internet. And I think it is. it just speaks like truth to, to parenthood. And the, the visual is the dad, um, you know, is on the right-hand side. And it's, it, I forget if it's a son or a daughter, but it's on the left-hand side. And they're puzzle pieces, um, and kind of a jigsaw pieces, right? And, you know, what you see is the dad has these pieces kind of taken out of him that, that build up the, the, the child, right? And, and you know, the, the, the picture is actually of him taking a piece and basically giving that to his son or, or daughter. Um, and so I think, like, my... You know, my advice to them would be like, hey, I am trying to take the best pieces of me um, to pass them on to you so you can go have a better life than, than I did. Um, so I think that, that in like a very like, you know, not not practical, but kind of like a, a strategic sense, right? Like that would be the advice, right? Of like, hey, this is what I'm doing to you. This is what your your role is with your kids. Um, and then I would say the, the probably practical piece of advice that I would be would be think for yourself. Um, you know, and so we we get so much pushed down on us, especially these days with social media, politicians, et cetera, that like no one really teaches us like how to think they teach us what to think. Um, and so I, I want to really instill, you know, the skills, it is a skill set, the skill set of discernment to my, to my children. Um, and that they know how to think for themselves. They know how to uncover the truth and what's right and what's wrong. And that they need to have the conviction to stand on, on principle. Um, so that, that would be a big one for me would be, you know, teaching them the, the, the value of discernment. Beautiful, man. It's a great lesson. Um, all right, let's shift to where can people find you? So I'm going to pull up your website, but uh, why don't you go ahead and also just kind of narrate um, where else people can can reach out and get connected with you and uh, where they can follow you. For sure. So man, I need to update our website. That's uh, something I got to get off my plate too. Um, but yeah, so the website is just the or the epicdad.com. Um, you know, you find out a little bit of our apparel, um, our supplements and stuff are there. Um, if you want to shop for supplements on Amazon, we've got them there as well. Yeah. A lot of stuff sold out, you know, it's a, it's just a shitty site. Um, <laughs> but it'll get better. I promise guys, as we grow. Um, and then, um, where does, where does, 
yeah, man, that one's that one's the best seller for sure. Um, where can you guys connect with me? It's just Instagram is the best place. Um, so just at the Epic Dadco uh, on Instagram. Um, I'm very active there on social media. Um, if you guys shoot me a DM, it'll be me responding. I don't have like a team responding for me or anything. Um, yes, you can connect there. And, and, you know, in our link in bio, we've got, you know, links to all of our resources, right? So whether it's to our community, um, whether it's to our supplements, whether it's to our podcast, like whatever we have, right, is right there at your fingertips. And uh, like I said, if, if you want to reach out, I'm more than happy to help. I'm I'm not the epic dad, right? That's the ideal that we're all striving towards. Um, so I may not, you know, have an answer for you, but but I will I will search and find an answer for you to help provide value on your journey to being a better father. I love it, Drew. Well, hey man, I want to just thank you for uh, coming on, being real, being raw. Uh, thanks for being a warrior in our community, not just uh, in uniform and standing for your principles and kind of living that example. Um, so. I think a lot of people can be inspired by what you're doing and, um, you know, to kind of take it and, and hopefully carry that on in their little spheres of influence as well. So uh, just appreciate you, appreciate your, uh, your heart for dads and, and uh, wanting to, to build better for uh, our kids. And uh, with that, we'll say enough talk, dads. Let's get climbing. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify to catch all of our amazing episodes. We will see you in the next one.